Well, welcome. What are you? Um, been coming for the last few weeks, so this is your first time here. If you haven't been here for the last few weeks, you might not be aware that this whole year we're doing something called the Year of Biblical Literacy, where we really believe that the, the, the Bible is the Word of God and we're trying to get into it uh, and understand it better. But the last kind of four weeks, we've been trying to do like an overview of the Bible very, very quickly. Just this idea that as you're reading the Bible, whatever section you might be in, it sometimes helps to have a bigger idea of the overall picture of the Bible. So we've been going through that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Nigel did just the story of Jesus. And then last week, uh, Joe talked about kind of the early church, which, which we find in the book of Acts, and some of the crazy things that God did um, through the Holy Spirit amongst the people there. But the Bible is not just meant to be a, a story. I mean, there are stories in it. It's not meant to be an aspect of poetry or some little bits that we find in it. The idea of the story of the Bible is it's something that we're meant to live. It's something that we're meant to outwork. It's something that we're meant to allow it to affect us the way that we do everyday life. And so today I'm, I'm talking about I can't remember what living in the story, staying in the story, finishing the story. You can call it many things, but we've got Acts, and then in the last book of the Bible, it's called Revelation. It's like, well, how do we fit into it? What does it look like? But just to start off, because I know some people here like quizzes. And so, Becky, if you could just, they're going to play a song, and um, I want somebody to tell me, it's going to be like maybe 20 seconds. Who's, tell me who, who, who wrote this. What's this song? There's a prize. <laughs> no. Sorry, what do you say? Yeah, Schubert, which one? Yeah, brilliant. What is it more famously known as? Yeah, you, know, you got it. I'm happy with that. I'm not going to get asked more. It, I, don't know, I don't know if you said that as well, Josh. I can't remember it because you said true, but I didn't. But you can, we can split it if you got it as well. Wow, well done. That is Schubert's Eighth Symphony, also known as the Unfinished Symphony. That's why it's given as its title. Now, you might be thinking, why is he playing this piece of music? Because like Schubert's Unfinished Symphony, it kind of comes to an end. It wasn't finished. But recently, in the last few weeks, I'm never sure how you pronounce this, Hawaii, the kind of Chinese, Hawaii, <laughs> the Chinese, I'm just going to call it, the Chinese technological company, they decided they wanted to finish this uh, unfinished symphony. So what they did was they gathered a load of kind of technological musicians and conductors and they listened to the kind of the tone and the texture and the, the style of the, what was written by Schubert and used it to finish it off. There's like, this is what we know, and based on what we know, this is where we think he would have gone if we completed it. Now, you might be thinking, what's this got to do with staying in the story, finishing the story? Because in some ways, what we have is an unfinished symphony. The book of Acts is an unfinished symphony because it's just the beginning. 
And so if we are called to finish off this symphony, if we are called to finish off this story, a bit like the Chinese company had to do, we've got to look at what is the, kind of the texture, the tone, the style of what is there. And so as you read the book of Acts, you see just this kind of theme coming through it, the story of redemption, the story of transformation, the story of lives and communities impacted by God. We see people who are sick walking. We hear people who are just walking in the shadow, been in the shadow of one of these people who follow Jesus being healed. We hear of people encountering God in temples. We hear of people encountering God in, in prisons. We hear of whole communities coming to Jesus just at once. This is the story. And we're invited to finish the symphony. You know, sometimes if you're around church, we use this phrase that one of our visions is to lead our communities into life. And I don't know about you, sometimes that feels a little bit wishy-washy. What does that mean? Well, this acts is what it means. This is like the beginning of the symphony. To lead our communities into life is some of the things I just talked about. The knowing world of that time was radically impacted by disciples of Jesus following the call on their lives and seeing their communities change. It's like the book of Acts is a bit like a relay. It's like they've been running the race. Jesus said to them, go and transform the world around you. Go and transform the communities around you. Here it is, and he passed the baton on. And now the baton's coming to us. Are we going to put our hands out and grab it? And run with it. And so as everybody over the years has been trying to work out how to finish the story. How do we stay in this story? How do we finish off this symphony? You know, people have studied the book of Acts and the kind of the methodologies and the way they did things. And there is a lot to learn from that. A lot of my work, um, trying to um, send people to go and work in Muslim-majority countries, is like, what can we learn from that to, to see that outworked? But whatever kind of methodology and whatever way you look at it, if we're going to outlive this story, we need to have the culture. I used to be a business lecturer, and, and the defined culture is the way you do things around here. What was the way that they did things in Acts? The way they did things in Acts, the kind of the common denominator is the Holy Spirit. The key to unlocking this symphony, the key to unlocking us finishing the symphony of bringing transformation into our communities is the Holy Spirit. Being spirit-filled and immersed in the Holy Spirit. That should excite you. You're very looking very kind of like shell-shocked or something. That is what it means. So why is the Holy Spirit so important? If we want to lead our communities into life, if we want to finish this symphony, this beautiful symphony off, why is the Holy Spirit important? And I just want to touch on some things. If you begin to, um, I'm going to give you some handouts. Try not to jump ahead. I don't know what it's like. I'm never sure where to put it. Why is it not working? Can we just click it on wherever this is not working? The first reason why the Holy Spirit is important is the Holy Spirit tells you who you are and what you carry. 
There's a, a passage I, I put up there, and I'm going to read a little bit more from there. This is from Romans chapter 8. And uh, it says this. You've got one translation on your sheet, the Passion Translation. This is the NIV. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons or daughters, filling the gap, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. And the heirs of God, we fellow heirs with Christ. This is who we are. In some ways, I only got a, a, a short time to explain this. But if we're going to outwork the story, we need to know who we are. We can't even... Let alone start the story, let alone stay in the story, yet let alone live the story, if we don't know that we are sons and daughters of Christ. This can now work itself in many ways. You know, Joe was saying we're going to be doing this training next week on, on scattered servants. One of them is to do with just with praying for sick people. If we don't know that we are sons and daughters of Christ, it's very easy when you start praying for sick people to kind of come with a slave begging mentality. Oh God, please, if you're in a good mood, if I've kind of read my Bible this morning and I'm up to date with the year of biblical literacy, then maybe you will heal this person. I don't know if, it, and I sometimes have certain thoughts as I wake up and I kind of feel like, yeah, I can pray for somebody because I've done this, that, and the other. Am I the only one that sometimes feels like I can earn people getting healed? <laughs> I'm just like, okay, I'm, that's just me, then everybody can pray for me at the end. <laughs> but I don't know, but I, I, I see that. I sort of see it when I'm praying with people and they're praying for somebody else. And it's like, are you coming as a child of God? Or are you coming as a, as a slave? It is just so crucial. I've just got a couple of quotes. Yeah, you're going to, yeah, Just from a, a couple of different people who've got like a, a great track record when it comes to praying for the sick. I'm just using that as one example. So a guy called Danny Silk says, so living a supernatural lifestyle, which is like finishing off the story, where signs and wonders follow us, is totally dependent on living out of true identities as sons and daughters of God. Having a proper revelation of our identity determines the level of kingdom authority we walk in, which will determine the amount of influence we have in bringing the kingdom of God to earth. It's crucial. In the vineyard, we have this uh, tool that really helps us pray for the sick. It's called the five-step healing model. I haven't got time to uh, teach it here. If you want to know, come to the front. There'll be a few of us that'll be praying for sick people at the front, and we can tell you. And now, this tool is a very useful tool to help you when you're thinking about, how do I start praying for somebody? And I knew this tool for years. I taught this tool for years as a small group leader. I was a vineyard pastor for a while. But to be honest, I never saw anybody get healed. And then about 10 years ago, God began to speak to me about my identity and my authority. I had some sozos for kind of, uh, streams of hope. Is it streams of hope? And, um, and it just began to help me understand who I am and what I carry. And it was like I began to do the same things. I was still using the same tool, but suddenly more and more people began to get healed. 
Sometimes when I'm teaching on, on praying for sick people and people say to me, what's the, you know, what's the two greatest pieces of advice you can give? And I say, one, pray for the sick, because if you don't pray for the sick, you're never going to see the sick get healed. And secondly, know who you are in Christ. I know that if for a period of time I do not see people get healed, at some point I've begun to forget who I am. You see, when you know you're a child of God, it affects the way that you interact with your father. Now, if you come to my house and, um, and you came in and you just started rummaging through the refrigerator, I'd kind of think like, that's just a little bit like, weird. I don't know if I invite you back again. Um, particularly if you took something I particularly wanted. There's some things in my refrigerator I'd be very happy for you to take. But, um, but my children... It's different for them with certain parameters. Uh, because they're my children. They can. They have, because of who they are, because of their identity, they have a different authority when it comes to my refrigerator. God's got a refrigerator. Do you know that? Or a pantry. Whatever situation people are in, be it hope, peace, be it healing of any other description you want, it's there. And as a child of God, it affects me going in. And I'm just focusing on one aspect of identity. You know, I could look at another one that's mentioned there, you know, a hair. You know, I am. Not only am I a son. I know I'm very bad at pronouncing that word. <laughs> I got an inheritance because of my dad. He is the king of kings. And again, these are things I know. Things we know. Do we live from that place? He is the king of kings. You know, those who know me know I deal with different countries, Muslim countries. I'll tell you why. It really helps me when I know he's the king of kings and he's the lord of lords and the whole earth belongs to him. It affects the way that I kind of go into these situations. It affects my expectation. It affects the way that I interact with situations. And we need that. If we're going to end the story, we need to know that we are children of God. Because you can't give what you don't know you have. There's an interesting story that if you've been brought up in church, you even know the song. It's right there in the beginning of Acts, where Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. What did he say? Silver and gold have I not, but what I have I give to you. You cannot give what you do not know you have. You've got to know who you are, and you only know what you have when you know what your identity is. A bit like, you know, when you're at school, my kids bring back other people's jumpers and stuff. And you look at it, and you know who it is because what's written on it. We can only give away and take hold of what we have our names on, what God has given to us. We need to know who we are and to outlive that. And so that is crucial. I was having a conversation with God, uh, uh, I don't know, about a week ago, and because I was thinking about this, and so God says, well, do you really believe you're a child of God? So I'm like, yeah, can I go through seasons where I kind of ebb and flow? I, know, I always know in the theory in my head, but it doesn't always outwork in my life. And so he says, what, do you, what would you like for Winchester Vineyard? And I was thinking, what would you, no, do you want me to say? <laughs> no, I didn't. And, uh, and so I thought, what do you want? You know, and we talk a lot. We want to see people come to Jesus. We want to see marriages transformed. We want to see dead raised. And I was thinking, which one should I go for? But you know what I asked for? I prayed for myself and I prayed for as a church that we would know who we are in Christ. 
because I know if we get that, we will get the other stuff. And so let's press into that. One of the questions I put on your sheet, and I haven't got time to press into this more, but it's to do with taking time to let God speak to us. Even now as I'm speaking, you can do this and say, God, what are you saying over me? Who am I in you? Because you will live out of ultimately who you think you are. Maybe listen to your prayers. Prayer, listening to your own prayers is a great way of knowing where you're coming from. So we need it to know who we are. Secondly, Joe touched on this last week, so I'm not going to go into great detail. But power. And I quoted this verse at the end in 2 Timothy uh, 1, verse 7. It's not there, but for God has given us a spirit for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. We've been given a power. You know, in, um, you know it says here in, in Luke 24, 49, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. In Acts 1, verse um, 8, It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Power. Why do we need that? Because as we look at that story, the symphony we have already, God says, what we're aiming to, we know what the end is. We read it in Revelation. People from every tongue and tribe and nation coming to Jesus. We're told in the, the, the last few verses of Matthew and 28 that we will disciple nations. We're not even talking about individuals or baptizing. In a few weeks, in a few weeks time, we're going to have a baptism service. We're going to baptize some individuals. That's fantastic. But that's a little foretaste because we're called to baptize nations. That's what it says there. That's what the end of the story looks like. And I don't know if you look at that. Sometimes it inspires me. Sometimes it overwhelms me. But whichever way you look at it, I know I can't do that. I don't know about you, but we can't do it. It's like God has created this thing. It's like, I want you to do this. This is what the symphony looks like, but you can't do it. But he's such a good dad. It's like, I'm going to give you something to help you do it. And that is the Holy Spirit. That is the, the power that, it need, that we need. The Holy Spirit has given us power. And one of the things I want to stress is, is power for a reason. I will give you the Holy Spirit. You will receive power so that you will go and share Jesus in your communities. That's what it's about. And when we lose sight of that, we lose sight of what it's all about. I'm not that old, but I've been around long enough in the church and see some of the movements of God that happen. And I love it. I love it when we're worshiping today. I don't know about you, you know, but when we were singing, well, even before we were singing in tongues, I could just feel the presence of God. That's great and that's lovely. Let's not pass that over. Let's enjoy that moment of intimacy. But is intimacy in the Holy Spirit for a reason? You know, uh, we had some training a few weeks ago about soaking in, the, soaking in God's presence. I wasn't there. I was held in the evening. And I love that. When you just take some time just to be in God. I mean, you could just do it right now. I won't stay too long. I could lose it. But... Uh, but it's for a reason. 
And if you don't have that reason, then you're not honoring the gift. I know that's quite a strong word, but as soon as we have all this soaking and going to encounter meetings, we've got one coming up in a few weeks' time, catch the fire, I would highly recommend. I know this, guys. It's a great thing to do. But if you don't have the outworking of it, it's there for a reason, the Holy Spirit. So we need the Holy Spirit for power. And these two points I just said, they're linked together, that idea of power. We sing a song sometimes in church. You know, I'm no longer a slave to sin, I'm a child of God. It's easy to sing it, but when you know you're a child of God, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, then you're no longer a slave to sin, you're no longer a slave to fear. You live a different life. So we need the Holy Spirit. Have you experienced the Holy Spirit? If you haven't, you're in the right place. I mean, he can come anytime. I first, you know, I'm still going to keep roughly to my nose. I first encountered the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is the goodness of God. I first encountered the Holy Spirit when I was 11. And I was fighting my brother. My brother and I, he's my older brother. We were fighting all the time. And, uh, and he's stronger than me and he's larger than me. And yeah, he normally beat me. But, uh, and I remember he was beating me, he'd been beating me up, and then he went upstairs, and then he called, and he said, Paul, um, can you come upstairs? I'm thinking, yeah, I know what's going to happen here. But you know what? This youngest son, I'm going to try to take him on. And, um, and he was just praying, and the Holy Spirit came. Joe was talking about the um, kind of speaking in tongues. That just began to, began to happen. My mum kind of came along thinking, where are the boys that normally are fighting? And then the Spirit of God fell on her. And my sister wondered where the rest of the family was. And then my dad had been out doing some training, came back and thought where his family was. That's the goodness of God. But my question is, have you experienced the Holy Spirit? If not, just even as I'm speaking, just begin to say, yes, God, meet me. God, encounter me. Because that's what you need. And if you have, and you can look back and experience, I'd encourage you just to press in more. You see, the idea of the, uh, the Holy Spirit is it's an ongoing encounter with God. There's a verse in the Bible in Ephesians 5, verse 18. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with with the Holy Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the word about being filled with the Holy Spirit, not, as you pick up, I'm not the, the, the greatest kind of linguist in the world, but the word there is present continuous. So it's not like be filled and it's a one-off thing. It's, it's like be filled and carry on being filled and carry on being filled. I don't know about you, I need to be filled. There's a famous American evangelist called D.L. Moody, and he was asked, why do you keep telling Christians to be filled constantly with the Holy Spirit? And he said, because I leak. And I don't know about you, but I I leak. You know, we've had a a great weekend celebrating the um, boy Daniel's birthday, and we had loads of people around, and and it was great. But I told you what, I, I leaked. 
I'm kind of borderline introvert or extrovert, and I just, you know, I'm a little bit weary. It's like, I just need more of you. You go into situations that are just hard. We leak. When was the last time I took time to be filled up with the Holy Spirit? This is a good place as well. If you can multitask, you hopefully can listen to me and just begin to do that. Just begin to say yes. Because we really need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? I mean, it's a strange verse. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Still be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, you're talking about wine and you're talking about Holy Spirit. Why? Because if you know anything about wine or alcohol, what does it do if you drink too much? What does it affect? Well, okay, everything. Let me, let me break it down a bit. You know, it affects your walk, doesn't it? If you're drunk too much, if you're intoxicated, it affects your walk. It affects your speech. You know, you maybe begin to slur. I've been around situations before where people go, you know, they apologize to me, they go, sorry, it's, it's drink speaking. It affects your eyesight. You can often tell if somebody's been drinking too much. It affects your breath. It affects your mind. It affects everything, doesn't it, when you're drunk too much. And that's why he's saying, that's why Paul is using this illustration in Ephesians. It's like, be so full of the Holy Spirit. It's like you are drunk with the Holy Spirit. It will it'll be obvious to everyone. When somebody is drunk, it's obvious if you're in that situation. They might not always know it, but it's obvious to, to you. And we should be. I mean, that's my prayer for myself. It's like, God, I don't think I'm intoxicated enough. It's not obvious enough. It should so affect the way, even the way I breathe. I think that's why Jesus, when he breathed on people, he brought transformation and he brought healing. And maybe often when people get raised from the dead, it's when they, they get breathed on. God, so affect my breath, that begins to happen to me. Let's get filled with the Holy Spirit because only by being filled with the Holy Spirit will we outwork this story, will we finish that symphony that is calling us in. Does that sound good? Yeah, good, I just need a bit of excitement. Just begin, just to fill up. So we need to be filled up. And we also need to keep in step. I'm going to jump a slide. Yeah, if you can go next slide. If you can go one more slide, Becky. Just for time's sake. So we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be, keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. If we're going to outwork this step story, we need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And I've got the verse up there, Galatians 5, verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Have you ever tried to keep in step with somebody? You know, it's really hard, you know. When you, even if you kind of walk in next to them, people often have different strides, don't they? And, um, and you're kind of like watching them, aren't you? You're just trying to watch where you're going ahead. We've been trying to watch them. We've been asked to keep in step with the Spirit. It's an interesting passage. It's like the Spirit is moving and doing things. And if we're going to finish the story, we've got to keep in step with him. And I was thinking about a whole load of, you know, those who know me, I like to come up with illustrations because and, and, it makes my life easier. Hopefully it helps you. And, uh, 
And it could be a whole load of different things. One is keeping in step with it, it's just listening to his voice. Do you know the game Simon Says? Simon Says, put your hand on your, hand on your head. Oh yeah, I've got some people, that's good. Simon Says, put your hand on your right knee. Put your hand on your left knee. That's fine. And I could go on, I could have played it, mate. We could have had so much fun this morning. We are going to have so much fun this morning. But that's a little bit like, you know, you're trying to listen, aren't you? And that's what it means, keeping in stay with the Holy Spirit. It's like, what is the Holy Spirit saying? And growing in that, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? If we're going to finish the story, we know the Father is always at work, we're told in John. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Another way of looking at it, which is why I have a sat nav up there, is if you have a sat nav, more and more, and depending on them, I hate having to depend on the sat nav. And, uh, but sometimes what I do when I've been away, and I'm um, somewhere in the UK, I get in the car, particularly if it's, like, it's late and I'm tired, and I just press that button that says home. And then I just follow it. To keep in step with the Spirit is a bit like that. Home is revelation. And, uh, and I don't know about you, as you follow sat nav, I've not always got the greatest confidence in the sat nav. <laughs> I've seen sat navs kind of do some things that one shouldn't have to do or do. And, um, but sometimes I'm in those scenarios where I can't do anything. I like, I've got to trust this sat nav because if not, I, got, I don't know what's gonna, where I'm going to go. And so you're going to watch it and you have it on. It's going to like a nice little voice. Turn left, no right, keep straight on. And as soon as you look, even as you know the little area, you're thinking, why are they doing that? And that's what it means by keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. That life of being led and dominated by the Holy Spirit, what they did in Acts was they were following the sat-nav of the Holy Spirit. Now, each one of those journeys for us will look differently. And sometimes it will be on nice roads where you can do your 70. But sometimes it feels like you're going through the twisty, turning country lanes and you're thinking, oh, I hope no car comes in the direction. Where it's a little bit nervous and it's a little bit scary. But that's the invitation. Do we really? It's easy to say, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, let's all come to the front or just there. Let's get a great worship band. Let's go to an event. It's way more scary when you just have to follow that sat-nav. And if you look at the Acts, you see that some of the ways and some of the stories, we love the miracles, but some of the other journeys of that sat-nav aren't so easy. You know, we love the story, if you don't know, Philippi Jail, I refer to it partly, where just this whole community came to Jesus. Well, they were thrown uh, in jail. You know, the Roman jail is one of the nicest places, but that's where the sat-nav had taken them. One guy ended up in the middle of the desert. He got to influence a whole nation, the Ethiopian nation. Are we willing to, to follow this? This is partly why we're doing the, this, the, this training next week, Scattered Servants, because if we follow the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit would take you out onto the streets. And that doesn't mean like street pastors, but it means that it would take us out of our houses, a gathered environments like this, and it will take us out into our neighborhoods and our communities. 
That's what the Holy Spirit's for. This is where, places like this is where we gathered, like the early disciples, and the Holy Spirit fell. But then Peter went out and preached. And sometimes it can be a little bit nervous. A few days ago, I was just kind of praying, and I was thinking about this talk, and um, so I was kind of trying to put it into practice, even more than normal. And because uh, this is not something I find, uh, I find, I find easy. And so I was like, oh, what, what do you want me to do? And I felt God just say to me, and you know, if, if you're on Facebook, you'd see. And I felt God say to me just to go down to uh, my kind of local mosque and give out some flowers, just to say that you know we love you, we appreciate you. And I was kind of like, oh. Uh, and I, you know, I love Muslims. I don't have a problem with that. I was kind of like thinking, how much is it going to cost me? <laughs> I went for roses, not daffodils, and uh, which made it more expensive. And, um, and just, you know, you just, you know, I was just, just you know, a little bit anxious, kind of bit, what's going to happen. And uh, I was encouraged because I got, you know, a few people put on Facebook, some of my friends saying, What are you going to do for Muslims this, this Friday? It's a week's anniversary. So I thought, Okay, this is a confirmation, this is from God. But you can have a word from God, that doesn't mean that necessarily fear is, suddenly you get a word from God and there's no fear. And uh, so I kind of went down to the mosque thinking, oh, I wish there was somebody else with me. Particularly could have done it with a woman just because I can't do the woman's entrance and the men's entrance. You know, then I'm down there. There's like four mosques all together down in Sampton. Oh, which one do I do? You know, and you kind of walk around, you're wandering around thinking, oh, shall I do this? Shall I not do this? Shall I just drop the flowers and run? <laughs> and then uh, whatever. But I just thought, you know, this is where the Spirit's leading. And that's just for me. But for each one of us, we have these opportunities day by day, week by week. Are we going to follow where the Holy Spirit leads us? So just to end, because we wanted to finish early. and Because um, what we're talking about is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill us. The Holy Spirit wants to come and transform us. The Holy Spirit wants to take control of us. I don't know where you are in the year of biblical literacy, but if you're keeping up with the, the program, it doesn't matter if you're not, so don't take that as a condemnation, but you're kind of in um, um, Samuel, and you see this phrase come up again and again. The Spirit of God came and took control of them. The Spirit of God came and took control of Saul, of David. That's what it's about this morning. Do we want to be taken control of? If you do, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and encourage you pressing. But may I challenge you and warn you as a pastor, when he takes control, he might take you routes and journeys that you might not normally have wanted to take. But let me give you this advice as a pastor. Trust the Satnav. Trust the Holy Spirit. He knows where he's taking you. It might not always be the most scenic route, but it will be the most exciting route. It will be the route that helps us finish this story. And just like that symphony is made up of different instruments, we're the different instruments. And as we follow his leading as the great conductor we will finish this symphony that he wants to do, which is to see all our communities, whatever that means to you, 
encountering the goodness of God. Joe, why don't you come up? Well, thank you, Paul. So God is here, as we've said. Why don't we stand together? And it may be just as Paul has been talking, you've been saying yes to God and you've been soaking in his presence. But, excuse me. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come. He's already here, but to come in deeper ways to us. And it might be that you want to say your yes to him. One way you can do that maybe is by putting your hands out. It's a way to show that you're ready to receive a gift from him. You might want to close your eyes just so you don't just get distracted by what's happening to your neighbor. But if this is very new to you and you're not sure what's happening, you've come here to church today because you're looking and you're wondering, you're very free to keep your eyes open and to watch and to see what is going on. Dear Holy Spirit, thank you so much for your presence with us. As we've sung already, we love your presence. And you know that we are leaky people. And so we say, come, dear Holy Spirit, and fill us again. More of your presence. And he's moving amongst us now. We're just going to pause and we're just going to wait. Come, Holy Spirit, we love you. More of your presence.